Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Your way is better. Lord, help us to make room in our lives for your way that is better. Your way, Yahweh, is better than our way. Father, right now, just pray in this room. We've just heard a medley of songs, all of them touching hearts in this place. Lord God, we just honour you here today as we just say you're a God of a medley. (laughs) Each of us, Lord, play such an, an incredible part of your medley, of your people. One sound, one song moving together. Salvation. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. The Father, as we hear your word, as we hear what you have to say. As we've spent time singing those songs this morning, those songs that have drawn us close to you. Just pray right now in Jesus' name, if there's anyone in this place that just feels like they're carrying a burden, just pray right now, they hand it over to you, God that we would make room for you and your goodness right now in this place. Father, we would try and do it in our own strength, but we would do it in your strength. That we would trust in who you are. So Father, I just pray right now, touch every heart in this house right now. doesn't matter where they are in this place, even if they're out there, kids, wherever they are right now in the guest area, just pray. Holy Spirit, the feeding room. Just start to touch people's lives right now. Shift mindsets. Break through walls. Lighten heavy burdens. Healing of the sick. Holy Spirit, move. Not only in us, but through us in this place. Let the catalyst of faith rise in this house house. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Father, I just pray, continue to do a mighty work as we go through this word this morning. And as we remember that you are extending our faith, as Jacinta spoke about today, Lord, that you are stretching us and you keep us. Like she said, you, you, don't, you don't stretch us enough that we break, but you keep the, the clay malleable, viable, uh, usable, stretchable, moldable, but because you water it with your Holy Spirit. So Father, today I pray as this word comes, continue to touch every heart, bless every soul in this place and even our family members that are traveling or they're away, just bless them right now in Jesus' name. And we all set. Amen, amen. Bless you, you may be seated. We give the band a hand as they grab a seat today. He is our healer. That was a great job of that medley. Oh, I was like, oh, we're going into healer and we're going into this song. But, you know, it all just well done, Justin. I'm sure that you spent time in prayer just praying into how that would all work. And, you know, there's a real gift on your life for that. And well done, team, for um, making that happen. So, yeah, just give them another hand as they grab a seat today.
Well, last week I started a um, series. This week is week two on faith-filled tests. Got some slides to put up um, today. If you missed out on part one, it is on our podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on iHeart. And it's also on uh, Amazon at the moment. So you just look up Arise Church Seafood and you can have a listen to that part one. But I want to give you a quick overview before I go into part two. And um, I'll just, just a little bit of a quick intro. So the Bible says in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. You know, that is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. What are you expecting God to do in your life? What are you expecting him to do? You know, this is the law that God has established. And this law is called the law of expectation. What do you want God to do in your life? The fact is we tend to get what we expect out of life. We tend to see what we expect to see. We tend to hear what we expect to hear. We tend to feel the way we expect to feel. We inevitably accomplish what we expect, what we're going to accomplish. This is the law of faith. God says, you get to choose. I get to choose. Because according to your faith, my faith, it'll be done unto us. You know, another important verse in the Bible on faith is is in Hebrews 11.6, as we know. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So whatever, and then I went on to say that whatever is not faith, it tells us in Romans 14.23, whatever is not faith, is sin. It tells us that in Romans 14, 23. And I said last week, God builds your faith and my faith by testing it. He builds our faith by putting it to the test, by trying it, by putting it into the refiner's fire. You know, as Jacinta said today, faith is like a muscle. And when it's stretched and it's pulled, then it develops. You know, I talked about Justin buying a weight belt. You know, so he could lift heavier loads and not break his back. But when you test muscles, your muscles against weights, then your muscles develop and your faith develops as it is tested. As Jacinta said, it's taking us on that journey of maturity from milk to meat, that maturity of becoming more Christ-like. Every moment of the day, your faith is being tested. Every moment of the day, in fact, all last week, it was tested. Today, it will be tested, maybe more than what you think. Your faith is going to be tested. And I said last week, I wanted to give you four ways that God tests our faith so you'll be aware of them, okay? So actually, I said there's more than these, but I just want to cover the most common, I believe. These are four ways that God tests and builds our faith. And you'll probably get tested, as I've said, Over the week, in a day, you can count on it. It's going to happen. So number one, the first one was God tests our faith through difficulties. And I said last week, you'll have to go in and fill in the gaps because I'm sort of jumping. I said nothing ever happens by accident in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing ever happens by accident. Everything is father filtered. And don't, I said, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God plans all the bad things that happen to you and me. He doesn't have to. We live in a broken world. We live in a dark world where we are the light of Christ. You know, a lot of problems we bring on ourselves as well at times because of poor choices. 
You know, a lot of problems can be brought on us when we're innocent victims. and We haven't even done anything. But what I'm saying is nothing comes into your life if you're a child of God. Nothing comes into your life without God's permission. It cannot happen without God's permission. Just like Job. It cannot happen. There are no accidents in the Christian life. And I said there are accidents in life, of course. But God uses them. He uses our disappointments are His appointments. So our disappointments are God's appointments to do something miraculous when we're faith-filled, when we trust Him. I also said, here's a great verse, which is in 48, uh, <laughs> verse Isaiah 48, verse 10 says, Indeed, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested and chosen you in the furnace of affliction. And I talked about what is the furnace of affliction? You and I have been there. It's when the heat's on. When the heat's on, and that's the real test. And the Bible frequently compares our problems and difficulties to a furnace. The furnace of a refiner's fire who heats it up so high that the gold and the silver melt and all the impurities are burned away. But to do that, the heat has to be hot and it has to be on. But you can withstand that heat. You know, I talked about an old silversmith who once said, that I read that said, how do you know when the impurities are burned away in the silver? And the silversmith said, when I see my reflection in the silver. You know, and I said, when God can see his reflection in you and me, then he knows the impurities in your life, in my life, have been burned away. You know, that's a test. Then, okay, so I went, so God tests our faith through difficulties. Then I went into number two, God tests our faith through demands. Well, we can see them as demands. He sees them as commands. But we can sometimes think, well, that's demanding, you know. He asks us to do things that we may feel are seemingly impossible. And I said that in the New Testament alone, there's 1,050 commands for believers to obey in the New Testament alone. And when they are there, you realize they are there. When that, when that test is there, when that demand is there, when that command is there, it's there to test your faith. It's there to test my faith. A command like, don't worry about anything, I talked about last week. You know, how, how, who doesn't struggle with that one? That can be a tough one. Or a command like, do good to your enemies or forgive, you know, or forgive those other people who have hurt you or be thankful in everything. Every time, every time God gives us a command in the Bible is a demand that is placed on your and my life as a test. Are we going to trust and obey? What an incredible hymn that is. Anyone in the room know that old hymn, Trust and Obey? Trust and I used to sing it in the nursing home, loved it. I was only singing it the other day walking along. There are literally hundreds of examples in the Bible of people that said, God said to them, I want you to do this. And they trusted him and they had faith. And even though it didn't make sense to them, even though it seemed impossible to them, they did it. And they are in Hebrews where he talks about the hall of faith. Those who trusted him and did and when he, when, they asked, when he asked them to do something, they obeyed. And they were men and women of great faith. God tests our faith. He does it through difficulties, but he also does it through demands. And these demands that he can make on our lives, like as in commands, we can think, wow, that's a bit demanding, God. But all we have to do is just trust him. So what was the lesson? If I want to learn to live by faith, I must learn to not only rejoice continually, 
I have to learn to obey immediately. Obey immediately. When God says it, I do it. Whether I understand it or not, I do it. Whether it makes sense to me or not, I do it. Because I know it's what God has asked me to do. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the ramifications and the consequences of what comes next if I don't do it. That's the test of faith. When God tells you to do it in the Bible, even when you're reading and it's a ream of words, you do it. Because He is testing us in that. Okay, so check out the podcast to get the feelings. But that was one or two. That was a quick recap. Okay, to give you a bit of a gist. But this morning I want to ask you a question. Do you really want God to increase your faith? Do you? And I will continue on with the four Ds. So we've had difficulties, demands. Okay, so he tests us through those two areas, I believe. But the third one I want to talk about today is God tests our faith with dollars. He tests our faith. I'm talking about money. He tests our faith with dollars. Do you know that money is one of the greatest tests of faith in your life, in my life? Few people understand how God uses our material possessions as a test of character and a test of faith. For many people, finances are the greatest of all tests. They have no idea that God is actually testing them when they get into debt, when they're going through problems, when they're asked to give when they don't even know how to pay an electricity bill, things like that. All of these things have to do with faith and God tests us with it. In Luke 16, 11, Jesus says this, if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, that's dollars, that's money he's talking about, who will trust you with true riches? So I'm going to read that again because there's no scripture up there. I told you last week, um, you can have your electronics if you want to or Bibles in hands. Luke 16, 11, If you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what is Jesus actually talking about here? He's giving a truth that's taught all through Scripture and that there is a definite, direct relationship between how we handle our money and the spiritual depth in our lives. There is a direct connection In fact, Jesus says, if I'm not faithful in handling material wealth, he will not trust me with spiritual wealth. If I'm not faithful with my possessions, he will not trust me with spiritual power. Money is a test. The fact is, what do I do with my money? What I do with my money, I mean, really does determine how much God can bless my life. I'm a living, walking, breathing testament of that, actually. You may never have thought of it, but it has a real impact on it, on your life. This is taught all through Scripture. I've learned it, I have learned about it after 30 years, over 30 years walking with the Lord, that God determines how much He can bless my life by how faithful I am with what He puts in my hands. Every time I EFT my tithes, our tithes, 10% of our income, knowing that we could be using that money to pay bills, to go on a holiday. Every time we give to an overflow after our tithes, like in missions, in building projects, coffee machines, that is a faith test. It is a test of faith, isn't it? Of course it is. 
In fact, it was a huge test of faith in the early years of our marriage when we had little money. My mum was bringing us groceries and we were living on one income. Well, I can tell you now we are still living on one income because I am not on an income. But you know what? God has blessed Stephen's business so generously that we can live at this point on one income. And that has been because we've been faithful in the test of finance. No, we don't own a house. That to me is not an important thing. What's more important to me is what God has been telling us to do. And that is to give and give generously. Knowing that when we're giving to the house through tithe or giving to missions, that 10% or missions offering can be used to pay this house, look after this house, God's house. It was definitely testing our faith and it has tested our faith right from the start. In fact, many years ago when our pastor used to stand up and talk about money, we would just drift off somewhere. Do la pina coladas. Anyway, you know what I mean? You just start to drift off somewhere. The truth is it is a test and the enemy knows it. And there's a reason why Jesus talked about money so much. is because it's one of the greatest evils is money. You know, the testimonies of sacrificial giving in this church, in this church right now where financial generosity has been displayed through faith through faith and those people have blessed this house abundantly yet there have been stories like that told for thousands of years all the way back in the new testament paul wrote this in second corinthians 8 7 8 7, chapter 8 verses 7 to 8 he says this so second corinthians chapter 8 7 to 8 excel in the grace of giving i'm not commanding you but i want to test the sincerity of your love That could have been sincerity of faith too. But giving tests both our love and our faith. He says that I want to test it by comparing it with your earnestness of others. You know, did you know that Paul compared the giving of the Corinthian Christians with the giving of the Macedonian Christians? Then he challenged them. He said, I want you to look and see what the Macedonians are doing. Look at their sacrifice. Look at what they're giving to help the poor. Look at what they're giving to serve the Lord. This verse says that giving not only tests my faith, it also tests the sincerity of my love. How much I really love and trust God. God challenges us to compare our sacrifices with others. If you've got a problem... With that, if you've got a problem with that, you've got a problem with the Bible. The truth is, is that God tests our sincerity through money. You know, I heard a preacher say that the only people that ever get upset about verses on giving is just people who don't give. And we were one of those people. I'm going to be honest. I was like, oh, do you really have to bang on the drum? Every time I hear, you know, what's the Holy Spirit in me challenging me about, well, what are you giving? What are you trusting the Lord with in your finance? Givers don't get upset about when money's talked about. They feel comfortable. It's like, yeah, well, I'm giving you my best, God. I'm handing it to you all, God. You know, and this is your yearly little talk on money from me. But the truth is, is that God does test 
our faith through money. It's one of the greatest evils. Givers don't get upset when money is spoken about because they know that they've handed that financial part of their faith to God. You can't ignore the verses. The fact is every time I give to God, my faith, our faith, mine and Stephen's grows. Every time we give, it breaks the grip of materialism on our lives. Every time we give, we grow in love. Every time we give, we grow in hope. Every time we give, we grow in faith. And then we even grow in maturity and it builds our lives. That's why we give. You know, in 1 Chronicles 29, that's over in the Old Testament, for anyone who doesn't know, um, the Bible tells us how David and the people of Israel raised the money to build the temple. Now, I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. In that one single offering, they actually raised over $400 million in today's terms. I looked it up. $400 million in one offering for the temple. In that one single offering, they actually raised that much money. The most successful building campaign in history, I believe. Bring it on, God. Anyway, <laughs> when people say that God doesn't need a building, they haven't read First Chronicles 29. God told them to raise the money and they gave sacrificially because God said, you know, what I love about the whole story is in, in verse 14, what First Chronicles 29, 14 to 17, David says that after they've all given as a test of their faith, he says this, who am I? Who and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you what comes from your hand. Oh, Lord, our God, for all this comes from your hand and it belongs to you. Oh, sorry, I missed a line. Oh, Lord, our God, for all of this abundance that we have provided for the building, you are temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. In other words, it's all God's in the first place. And then he goes on to say, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things that I have given willingly with honest intent, and now I see with joy your people who are here have given to you. You know, David says in this passage that giving not only tests our faith, it, it not only tests our love, but it also tests our hearts. The integrity of our hearts. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of every area of our lives, including our finance? God wants to be Lord of the difficulties. God wants to be Lord in the demands of yours and my life, but God also wants to be the Lord of the dollars in our lives. The lesson is, if I want to grow in faith, I not only have to rejoice continually, I have to obey immediately, but then it tells me I must give generously. That's the third way that God tests our faith. I want you to elevate how much faith your giving reveals. Evaluate, I mean. I want you to evaluate how much faith your giving reveals. Let's get gut level honest right now in this room. If God looked at the giving that you and I were giving to him, would God say that you really trusted him with your dollars? Or have you been afraid to do what his word says? Because you're not trusting what he's asking you to do. It's interesting that in giving, God not only tests our faith, but the Bible says in Malachi that giving tests God. 
Malachi 3, God says this, Test me in this, says the Lord. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse. That's the place you worship, is the storehouse. And test me in this. See if I will not provide you. Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing that you won't even be able to handle. In other words, God's saying here, I'm going to play a little game with you. You give to me and I give to you and we'll see who wins. That's what he's doing. Test me on it. It's the only thing in the, in the word of God where God says, you can test me on this. Test me. Giving not only tests me, it actually tests God. I dare you and I to test God. I dare you and I to put him to the test to see that he will keep his promises. And I am standing before you today to tell you he does. He does. A couple of weeks ago, I actually forgot to put our tithing. And I would have forgotten, but the Holy Spirit reminded me. I said, excuse me, you've forgotten to give to the house. I was looking at what was in the bank. I'm like, oh, oops. Anyway, I, for 24 hours, I thought I could get away with it. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you forgot to give into the house. You haven't given to the house. So I put it in. That pain that I was feeling, that, that testing I was feeling before I did it, it, lift, it, you know, it lifted. And I was at peace. But before that, I felt like I was robbing God because it is his. What happens to it when it goes out of my hands is not my concern because I'm not giving to a particular project. I'm not giving to a particular church. I'm not, I'm giving, I'm saying, God, I test you. We test you as a couple with our tithe to see your generosity dis displayed in any way you want to display it. You know, I have to say that personally, I've grown more in faith in this very single area than any other area of my life. Because this is, the, this is the one area I had a stinking, rotten attitude over. It's true. Before I was a pastor, by the way. Even before I was a head leader. I had a stinking attitude about it. I'm like, it's my money. I earned it. What right do you have for it? Well, you're going to test me with it? Are you going to trust me with it? Yes, I've learned through difficulties and I've learned through obeying commands or demands that God has said to do um, that didn't make any sense. And I've learned to grow in faith in many ways, but in this area of giving, the most sensitive nerve in the human body goes from the wallet to the heart. It does. It's the sensitive bone, sensitive nerve from the wallet to the heart. And God says, I want all of you. I want what it represents in your life. Are you going to trust me with that? God says he tests our faith through difficulties. He tests our faith through demands. He tests our faith through dollars. And then the fourth and last D is God tests our faith through delays. Don't we love delays? <sighs> Especially if God's teaching you patience continually. Anyway, if every prayer were immediately answered, if your every need were automatically met, if every problem were instantly solved, you wouldn't need faith and your faith wouldn't need to be stretched. It's true. I'm going to say it again. If every prayer were immediately answered, if your every need were automatically met, if your every problem were instantly solved, you wouldn't need faith and your faith wouldn't need to be stretched. But it's 
not that way. We have to wait for things. It's not that way. We don't, get, we don't ask for it and get it. We have to wait. It is human nature that we hate to wait. I don't know about you. I hate to wait. Anyone else here? Put your hand up. Who hates to wait? Come on. Jesus in the room. I hate it. People know when they're in the car with me. always happens when I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry and I have to get somewhere that you have someone in front of you doing below the speed limit. It's like, Argh! Anyway, do you do this? Okay, here we go. Driving up to a red light and there are two cars there, one in each lane. As you're driving up, you figure out which one is going to get off faster. So you go into that lane. Come on. Put your hand up. Look at the car singing. Oh, yeah, that one's a bit faster than that one. Okay. You're figuring it out. Which one will get off faster than the other one? I'm going to get behind that one now. So you do it. You get into that lane. And then they're the slowest out the lot. Or their car stalls. Or because they're so slow, the light turns red. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a good one? <sighs> yep. We hate to wait. We hate waiting lines. We hate waiting at the checkout. We, because we try and put our own groceries through now. We hate traffic. We hate everything about waiting. Doctor's offices. You know what I mean? You go in for a 10 o'clock appointment, 20 past 10. You're still looking at your watch and you're going, I've got an appointment to get to at 10.30. What are you doing, woman? Hurry up. You know, and she's talking to someone about something really important in her rooms. You know what I mean? So we hate to wait. We hate to wait. And the list goes on and on. I'm sure you already got something in your head right now. The microwave. It's like, really? Can you please hurry up? You know, how long does two minutes take on a microwave? And you're still standing in front of it watching it. Years ago, we didn't even have microwaves. But we still get frustrated because the microwave is taking too long. Seriously, you're wasting a whole 50 seconds of my life, you know. <laughs> Yet a large percent of our lives is spent waiting. If you and I can't learn how God wants to stretch and grow our faith during times of waiting, we miss out on so much of the faith lessons that God wants to teach us in our lives. You know, I was doing my devotions this week and um, the encyclopedia of how long things take, I had a look. A lot of waiting is in little trivia things, little trivial things. I'm going to talk about them. So if you want some trivia for today, turn your brains on. Here's some definite trivia. Here we go. Here we go. It takes six seconds to fold a tea towel. Do you know that? Because I've tried. Depends how quickly you want to do it. You know, think of how long, well, mine isn't, no, I don't fold many tea towels in the house. Anyway, think of how much your life you spend folding tea towels. For, for, for so many of us, it may, it may be no seconds at all because if it's like me, it's like tea towel, draw. Pick it up in the drawer. Throw it in, push it in, squash it in. Anyway, it takes 10 seconds, like mother, like son. Uh, it takes 10 seconds for a slinky to tumble down a flight of stairs. 10 seconds. It takes 10 minutes. It takes 10 minutes for a snowflake to form. It takes one hour and 30 minutes to watch the movie The Grinch. And what a wasted time of life that is. Anyway. 
That'll be coming out again soon. Anyway, it takes 13 hours for every weekly food preparation for the average Australian family. 13 hours for weekly food prep. It's when you're eating, purchasing. That's, that's what it is, statistics. It takes 24 hours for plaque to colonise on your teeth. Aren't you glad to know that? 24 hours. So if you brush them in between that 24, isn't that right, Taylor? Taylor is a hygienist. Taylor is, a, well, she will be studying. She is assistant at the moment, but she works at a dentist. That's why we are brushing our teeth daily, right? So that a plaque is not forming too much. Okay. It takes 80 hours and 42 minutes to complete the household tasks in a family who have children under 12. So no wonder Sean and Ruth are tired. No wonder Angie, you're exhausted. Louise isn't here. Uh, Tyson, Hannah, even you. It's happening. It all just rolls along. Uh, Beck, anyone here? Great. Yep. Yep. It takes one week for bacon to lose its freshness in a refrigerator at 32 degrees. I know, why would you have a fridge at 32 degrees? Ah, oh. I must have typed that out wrong. When I saw it, yeah, it would be 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay then, so what is 32 degrees from 32 Fahrenheit? Oh, here we go, just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's zero. This is... Okay, so all right, we've come down to the fact this is profoundly life-changing stuff, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree? These are the kinds of waiting things, the trivia of life, the irritations of life. Yes, God can grow us through those irritating times of waiting, no doubt about. But the times he really grows us through waiting is the times their life tests. Waiting for something you never wanted to wait for. You know, a good example of this again is the people of Israel in the Old Testament as they were on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. Going from Egypt to the Promised Land, they could have made it and they could have travelled the distance a lot quicker. You know, they could have got there right at the start. But it ended up taking them 40 years, as we know, and they wasted a lot of time. Because the Bible says God led them in their journey from Egypt to the promised land. Why all that wasted time? Why 40 years of wasted time when that journey could have been seven days or 11 days? God was more interested in developing their faith than, getting, than in getting them from point A to B, the quickest way, the fastest way. And they weren't ready for B. They were still trying to work through A. So it took them 40 years. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.2, God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to test you in order to know what was in your heart. That's quite daunting, isn't it? Because when you think about it, their heart wasn't ready for the promise. That's what happens in times of waiting. It causes frustration, irritation, boring, get bored. We get to see God... We get to see God gets to see, we get to see God, but God gets to see what's in our heart. 
do you ever find yourself in situations, and I'll bet you have, where you feel like you're in a hurry and you get the definite idea that God is not in a hurry? Now. Can we do it now? Anybody else feel that way when you're just like, now, now? Why does this happen? Because God is more interested in growing our faith than he is anything else. So what we start asking, so we start asking the when questions while we're waiting. You know, when is my marriage going to get better? By the way, it is better. Don't worry about it. You know, when is anything in my life going to turn around? These are, these are rhetorical questions, right? Or if you're single, when am I going to find that right person and get married? Enjoy being single. Anyway. He's smiling, don't worry. Or I might need to catch a lift home, do a bit of hitchhiking. It's all right, it's my car. He might have to. Um, anyway, or how long is it going to take until I get well? You know, how come I've got to go through this sickness? How long? Or when, when are we going to have that baby? We've been trying for ages. Oh, we haven't. Anyway. Or it's rhetorical, yes. Or when am I going to find just the right job? When am I going to meet my soulmate? This is so frustrating. When, 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 when? You know, I'd say that it's in this area, this area of waiting, that God has worked to develop my faith more than any other area apart from dollars, and that is patience. He tests me again and again in this area of waiting and used it to develop my faith. The most difficult time of waiting for me is when I'm waiting for my yearly health scan that I've got to have for my results. That is a painstaking time for me because I don't know what those results are going to be, something I deal with personally. As tough as that time of waiting, did God develop our faith during that time that would have never been developed? Absolutely he does. Even with the difficulty of waiting, God was developing our faith. God, by his grace, always turns up during and after the waiting. We can't see him enduring the waiting because we're too busy wanting to get through it. But he is there. That is simply by his grace, he is there for us. Instead of us saying, what is God doing? We need to look at what God can do and what he is doing. You know, it's really incredible to see what God can do even as we wait, you know. So frustrating. When we were down in McLaren Vale, we, we weren't down there for 12 years with no goal for this. In fact, it, it was on my heart all the time. I think I dragged our oversight team to goodness knows how many buildings down there trying to find a building that we could move into. But it was impossible. It wasn't the season. It wasn't the time. But that was agonizing having to wait. But he developed my faith as a minister of religion, as a pastor, through the waiting. It, it's a tough test to learn. Some, some people in this room right now, you're waiting on, on something right now. Maybe you've been waiting a long time while, you, while you're waiting. God is there for you. He is there. He does not leave you alone. The word says he never leaves us or forsakes us. It just may be a test. 
Because God does, he uses these difficulties and demands. He uses dollars and he also uses delays to build your and my faith. Look at what God does in Isaiah 64.4. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah 64.4, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. It pays to be patient. Just remember this, while you are waiting, God is working. You're not waiting alone. Waiting in faith, God is working. God is doing things behind the scenes in your heart, in other people's hearts that you and I can't even see. So what's the lesson on this one? The faith lesson of delay. I really want to learn to live by faith. I've got, if I really want to learn to live by faith, I mean, I've got to learn to rejoice continually. I have to learn to obey immediately. I have to learn to give generously. Now, in this one, I must learn to wait patiently. If I'm really going to grow in faith, and you and I, I have to learn to wait patiently. We have to learn to do it because God is not going to snap his fingers and give instant answers to my every prayer. As much as what I want it that way, it doesn't happen. And why not? Because he wants you and I to grow in faith and to trust him. So before we end today, I want to look again at the verse at the beginning. I want to go back to that very first thing I asked you, I mean, in the beginning. Do you really want God to increase your faith? You know, the apostle said in Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. Are you willing to pray that very dangerous prayer? God, increase my faith. If you are then, if you are, then let's get practical about it. Which of these four areas that we've talked about do you need to specifically pray for God to increase your faith? Is it through difficulties? Is it through demands? Is it through dollars? Or is it through delays? Many of you need to pray, God, I need you to increase my faith, even though, even through the difficulties of life, even through the struggles of life. Maybe that's the area that God is working to increase your faith on right now. Some of you are going through incredibly tough times right now. You're not alone. If you're going through that kind of time when you need to pray, Father, help me to learn to rejoice continually because I know you're in control. I know that I'm not alone. I know that you have a purpose and I know you will give me the strength to make it through. So I'm going to rejoice continually, not that this is happening right now, but in, not because of what is happening right now, but because of what can happen when I do rejoice in who you are. Maybe God's testing your faith right now through demands. Let me put it another way. Let me put it in a different question. What is it in your life that you know God has told you to do, but you haven't done yet? That's the place to put faith. Maybe it's it's better spiritual shape. You've got to get into better, better spiritual shape. Maybe it's you haven't been baptized in water. Maybe it's starting to read the Bible. Maybe you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's to forgive a person you hold a grudge against. Maybe it's something I haven't mentioned, but you know what it is. Because he knows what it is. And he's working on our hearts right now. What is it that you know God has told you to do, but you haven't done it yet? And you might pray, Lord, help me to obey immediately. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Give me the faith to do that. 
Maybe God's testing your faith through dollars. You can hardly make ends meet. Like I talked about today, about what the Bible teaches about tithing. Give 10% of your income to God as a sign of faith. That is a challenge. Maybe God's challenging your thinking. and and But you're thinking, but God, don't you know what I make? And God would say something like this. Yeah, I know what you make. I know what everybody in the world makes. That's not the point. That's not the issue. The issue is your faith. I want to test your faith. Why is it that God touches this sensitive financial nerve in our body from the wallet to the heart? Why does He do that? Because He wants to see how you and I react. When He touches it, do we get mad? Do we get frustrated? Do we get angry? Do we run away? Do we get bitter? Do we get afraid? Or do we turn to Him and in generosity give and say, it all come, it, 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 it all came from you in the first place, so I give it to you now. Do we do that? Maybe you're facing a test of delay. What is it that you've been expecting God to do in your life and He hasn't done it? You're thinking, God, when? You said, but when? God, how long? God, why hasn't it happened yet? God, why haven't you answered my prayer? These are all tests of delay. You know, God's encouragement to you and me again and again in the Bible is don't give up. Don't give up. Look up to God. Look inwardly to Him. He, Holy Spirit, lives within you. God, inside of us. As you wait, as you wait on Him, He not only increases our faith, but He works out His plan through our broken lives. So I pray, Lord, help me to wait patiently. Help me with this delay. Give me strength. As we end, I'd just like to give you a chance right now to personally have a few minutes with God and talk to Him. The question again is, do you want to live by faith? Are you willing to pray? I want to encourage you to pray that dangerous prayer. Lord, increase my faith. It's dangerous because the way God increases our faith is by testing our faith. All these things we've talked about the last two sessions. But if you, if you're willing to pray with courage that prayer, just say it to God now. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. Lord, increase my faith. Increase it within me. Increase my trust in you. Increase, Lord God, my faith in who you are in my life. In, in, increase my trust that you use the earth as your footstool. That is how big you are. The span of your hand holds the universe. Lord, I just pray that, Father, that we understand how big you are and how these faith-filled tests develop us into mature or into a maturity to be more like Jesus. Lord, help us 
that when we are given a command, whether it's through the Word or through audibly or in time of prayer, devotions, Lord, let us not see them as a demand, but Lord, let us obey immediately. When we face difficulties, that Lord, we would rejoice. As James tells us, consider it pure joy. Father, I just pray it, it endures our perseverance, increases our perseverance, increases our endurance. Help us to do that. Lord, I just pray about money. That Jesus is one of the, the biggest things you even spoke about. In fact, you said it would be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Father, test us on our, our, our dollars. Test us on our heart value of trusting you with our money. Father, test us on our delays. Father, we hand it to you. Father, let our faith be built. When, when we're, rather than seeing it as an inconvenience when things aren't taking the time we want them to, let's rejoice and see them as something, Lord, that you're working in and through for a purpose and a reason. Like it's not that time yet. You shouldn't be doing that yet. You shouldn't be going that way. You should, you, know, you need to wait. It's not your season for that in your life. God, test us in trusting you with our delays, with you. So, Father, today, why don't we just stand in this place? If you can, if you want to sit, that's fine. But let's just lift it to the Lord today. Lord, you bring faithful tests into our life for a reason. And those reasons are to develop our faith, to develop our relationship with you and our trust in you as a mighty God. Father, today, I just pray in this room or anyone who's listening to this podcast online, if there's something in your life you feel like you're going through a faith test right now, I just pray, Lord God, that they hand it to you. That they listen intently, Holy Spirit, to what you have to say about it. That, Father, they trust in you. You know, whatever that is in your life, whatever is, is that wedge, a little bit of a wedge between you and Jesus. A little bit of a, I don't know, a, a caution light. Just pray right now, Lord, they hand it to you. Say, Lord, I trust you in this situation. I trust you in this circumstance. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, God. Father, increase faith in this house. Increase faith in every heart in this place. Increase faith in every situation. What you've been praying for, increase faith. Because you are a God that does it in just the right time and there is a season and a time for everything in this life tells us that in Ecclesiastes Father I just pray that we continue to trust in you as a mighty God a God that nothing surpasses you like oh I didn't know about that you know about everything but let us trust you in that as we press in to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Seek first the kingdom. Seek it first. And everything that that encompasses, seek that, not the ways of the world. Seek the kingdom first. Trust God. And He will fulfill your every need. Not your want, your need. 
Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be faith-filled, passionate believers of you, God. That trust that you will give us a way through any wilderness to a promise. Just bless every heart here today, Lord God. I just pray, Father, that this word over the last two weeks just doesn't fall to the ground. But I pray, Lord God, that it ignites something afresh. That, Father, instill something new. Stir us up, Holy Spirit, as we continue on this journey of life on this earth. As foreigners and aliens in the way that we are not meant to blend in, but shine the light. Help us to do it, God. Forgive us when we haven't and you've asked us to. As we trust you with our faithful tests. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Uh, we're just going to finish with a song. Please stay for some morning tea out there in the guest area. Cuppa, something to eat. Um, look forward to seeing you all Wednesday night for the prayer meeting. We'll try at 7.30 here Wednesday night. Um, other than that, don't forget next week our guest speaker. It will be worth it to come. Invite a guest. Why don't you invite someone to come? Bring someone along with you and come and hear what this man of God, this pastor of God has to say to our church. He will speak into the life of the church. He works in a prophetic gifting. So I encourage you to come along next week and see that. God bless you all and I'll see you next week or Wednesday night. Praise God. Thanks, Justin. We're going to finish it off.